Hey everybody, and welcome to Rabbit's Rumblings, Podcast 294. I have a bit to say about Destiny 2. I'm probably, I would guess, about 50 hours in, and so I've experienced pretty much all the things except for the raid, which they don't have the matchmaking for the raid yet, so I can't do that. But I've pretty much at least experienced most of the other things, even if I might not have uh, completed that particular set of things. And that's all I have for this time. Hopefully, you'll enjoy the show. So as I said, I would guess I am about 50 hours uh, played on Destiny 2 for PC. I have almost exclusively played that as Hunter. Uh, that's kind of my thing. I really like how the Hunter moves and uh, their abilities. I have started a Titan and Warlock uh, just to help out because, you know, I do all those guild things. Not. Um, but. I don't know, there's jumpy puzzles, uh, which are not super difficult, but the way that Titan and Warlock move, I, I guess is similar to the first game, but for some reason I'm just like completely rage quitting on these early levels uh, because the jumping puzzles are uh, extra difficult because I just am not into how they move. Hunter has a lot uh, faster movement base speed, I guess the run speed is the same uh, regardless of what you do with stats. But in terms of um, walking, which isn't really walking, it's kind of jogging, uh, you know, without holding down shift, and jump height and jump distance, that's all affected by your mobility, which hunters have a lot of mobility and a lot of control uh, in their jumping and dodging. So I'm having a really, really hard time with Titan and Warlock in those uh, early puzzle quests, and it's just really incredibly frustrating because I actually have no real reason uh, to make them other than, you know, eventually someday I might be in a guild and they might, uh, you know, be like, oh, we're doing the raid, but we need this class and nobody has it. Oh, I have all three. I can do whatever. So I don't know. Uh, I suppose eventually I will get them to max, but I'm certainly not rushing and I certainly don't feel any great um push uh to do them cuz i don't like the classes and the movement is just really frustrating for me anyways i guess that's just a total side note for me and i'm not sure if i've played around 50 hours or more or less because the companion uh, it was really great uh, in destiny 1 they have this you know mobile app companion and you could look up how many quests you'd done how long you'd played on that particular character and all these other cool stats, like how many of this creature you've killed, how many of this you've done, what of that you've done. But the new companion is just terrible in comparison. It has your gear, and then it's got a bunch of 
uh, honestly, crap that I am not at all interested in. It's like, here's this week's news. Here's this week's posting of that. Here's this upcoming event. It's like, I can look all of that up online. I don't need the special Destiny's tracking app to tell me that stuff. And the other weird thing is when you do go online and you go to their um, area that used to be the app, the app doesn't exist online. You have to use it on mobile. I don't know. All of this is hopefully stuff they can sort out because I really liked being able to look up, you know, how many quests I'd done, how long I'd been playing a particular character. You know, that was useful stuff to me. Now the app is almost completely useless unless, you know, I get a gear and I'm in the game playing. And I'm like, oh, I want to get the app and move that gear from my vault to my other character while I'm playing. You know, something like that I might use it for. But other than that, it's really not helpful to me. Again, a total side note, I guess, too. Uh, my comments about Destiny 2. The biggest thing I like is that there's a new upgrade system uh, for all the loots, uh, weapons, armor, uh, you know, regardless of what it is. Which means that when you find something you like... Like right now, I'm starting to kind of collect a couple of different sets of armor, uh, which they don't have set bonuses, but like there's one they call, I think, survivalist, which is your recovery stat. It's sort of their main thing it does besides mobility, because for Hunter, all the things, you know, mobility is the highest stat. But then there's also a mobility set, which gets ridiculous mobility. And then there's a heavy set, which builds into resistance i think it's called you know basically the armor slash health stat and so i'm trying to collect up uh, one particular set of each of those that i like the look of uh it's kind of difficult because they don't drop super frequently so i do still have to kind of mix and match but because you can upgrade equipment you know in theory once you get a full set of oh i like these stats and this look you can just carry it forward uh forever uh until they put some sort of I guess, tiered uh, aspect to the items, which I guess is possible because almost all of the items I have say they cap at 350 light. So in theory, uh, you know, in the future when expansions come out, they'll have things that can go higher. And so, you know, whatever is uh, not the highest cap, you'd have to leave behind. But basically how it works is when you disassemble a piece of purple gear it will give you a certain number of these shards. And I forget the exact name of the shards, but they're little purple shards. <laughs> and so when you have a gear you want to upgrade, you need a loot that is higher level than the level of the loot you have, plus a certain number of these shards. And the number of these shards will depend on what level uh, the gear is. Upgrading a purple from another purple is like one shard. Upgrading a purple from a blue is, I believe, four shards. So it's really not worth it to uh, use the blue to upgrade from until you have a ton of those shards. Because those shards are also used with buying stuff from Xur. And last time I saw them, uh, I've seen them twice so far. The items were, I think, about 25 shards. So it's quite a lot of shards, and if you're spending, you know, four to upgrade a piece of gear, it's not uh, cost-effective. Especially since until light level 265, stuff drops pretty frequently, and you can just 
straight up replace it. You don't need to upgrade it as much. But as example, to uh, further illustrate this, say you had a hand cannon that you liked, and it's light level 205. After a while, you get a new hand cannon, it's light level 215, but you don't like the perks. You don't like it uh, as much as your other one. So what you can do is you can go to the information screen of the level 205 hand cannon, and then in the bottom left icon, sort of the upgrade icon, I don't know what it's actually called. I just think of it as the upgrade icon. You mouse over that, and then all of the hand cannons you own, because it has to be an item of the same type, will show up below that, and then ones that you can upgrade with will uh, be highlighted. The other ones will be sort of grayed out. So in theory, the light level 215 hand cannon should show up there. You hold uh, whatever button it is you hold. It costs you the shards it costs, and then poof, that level 215 hand cannon is gone, and then your old hand cannon is a higher level. And I think based on what that hand cannon is that you're upgrading will determine what level it becomes. From what I've seen, uh, straight purple to straight purple is going to be whatever level it was. So in this example, your 205 would go up to 215. But the legendaries I've done seem to go up higher than the light level uh, that you're, you're upgrading from. So if this was a legendary and it was 205 and you upgraded from a 215, it might go up to like 217 or 218. So that's the basic gist of upgrading. You need an item of the same type. For weapons, it doesn't have to be in the same slot. It just has to be the same type. So, like, my favorite thing is legendary energy-based hand cannon. And so I can upgrade from a kinetic hand cannon or from an energy-based hand cannon. doesn't matter which uh, category it is, as long as it's a hand cannon, you know, the same kind of thing. And then if you were doing something like a chest armor, it would have to be chest armor. It couldn't be another uh, location of armor. It has to specifically be chest armor. As I said, though, I'm not really sure if this is necessary for non-legendary items. You certainly want to do it with legendary because you don't get them all that often. I think in my total playtime, I've seen two uh, legendaries I've had be duplicated and then have, you know, a second one I could pass to a different character. Because with the purples, you'll get them, like, almost all the time. I do have a couple that I really like that I'm carrying forward. And like I said, I'm just now getting into armor sets, as it were. But if you just have like, oh, I like this particular auto rifle, you almost don't need to upgrade it because you'll get a new one, you know, every five or seven hours, I would guess, of that specific type. So it's like you'll get replacements quick enough. You probably want to hold off on uh, upgrading through the material costs uh, as long as possible until you start slowing down. Before light level 265, I was getting stuff like all the time. It was upgrade, 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 upgrade. Like every couple of drops, something would be an upgrade. Once you hit light level 265, things kind of hit a wall and then things really slow down and then you're inching forward. I think I'm getting about one light level every three hours. Because it's like, it'll be pretty much the exact same level. 
And so I'm inching forward. Every now and then I'll get a special loot that's a couple levels higher, and that'll inch me forward in what what drops I get. And so now, I think over almost a week, uh, I've inched forward to about 275. So things are going a lot slower <laughs> past light level 265. Speaking of armor uh, and, I guess, general upgrading, this is both a good and bad thing. It seems like all of the drops you get, which are armor, are going to be specifically for your class. So in the previous game where you'd get an engram, uh, in like Destiny 1, my first purple engram I decoded was <laughs> Warlock, which was actually a really cool looking bond. It was one of my favorites that I'd seen. But since my main was Hunter, I had like zero use for it until, you know, months later when I actually made a Warlock. And even then I only used uh, that body maybe half a dozen times. That doesn't happen. Uh, armor will always be for your specific class. So that's both good and bad. That means you're always going to get something you can use or upgrade, you know, something else. But it's also bad in that, you know, if you are somebody who does have a regular clan slash guild and you have, you know, those multiple characters of different classes, you know, you're going to only see upgrades in armor for that class when you're on that class. And I haven't tested it because my <laughs> alts aren't level 20 yet, so they don't have, you know, max level options. But I would guess uh, armor needs to be the same class to upgrade. Like, you couldn't take a level, you know, as example, 275 would be a hunter piece that drops for me. I don't think I could go, you know, on one of my alts and be like level 20 with, you know, light level 200 and then upgrade to that. I don't think that would be an option uh, because I would guess it would still have to be of that class. And it would probably be uh, too high. I would I would guess there's a limitation to stop people from just going from 200 to, you know, 350 in one jump. I'm sure it's uh, staggered, so they have to do some, you know, ranking kind of upgrades. But weapons, you know, they're all uh, generic. Anybody can use them. You can just drop them in the vault. I've moved a few weapons to my alts. Uh, like I said, they aren't max level, so they can't use them yet. But I would expect that there would be nothing stopping them from just putting those on immediately. So that's at least one thing. You're not completely, totally gimped in terms of gear for your alt. And the upgrade system makes it, you know, really fast. And you can buy stuff from Xur uh, for your alts. So... Like, as example, I got a Titan uh, chest. I got a Titan arm. Uh, it was one of my favorite ones for Titan back in the day. The, like, AC, DC, whatever uh, sleeves. They look really bad, though, in this one. In Destiny 1, they looked pretty cool. Destiny 2, they look just huge. It's like the artist for Destiny 2 said, let's make Titan armor really huge and ridiculous looking. And I don't know. It's, I don't like the art direction for Destiny 2 Titans. Warlocks are a little bit weird, too. They're kind of more wizardy, which I guess they were supposed to be in the first place. But now it's like I see people walking around with these huge wings all the time. And it's like, this is maybe a little too far. Anyways, total side note there. I got a Titan piece and a Warlock piece uh, last time Zer was in town. Uh, so I just put those in the bank and, you know, in theory... When my alts get up to max level, they can just instantly put them on, uh, even though they're 
going to be light levels, you know, like 260, 275. So in theory, uh, you know, you can do some tweaking, but it's greatly limited, uh, I guess, both in a bad and good way, uh, in that the gear you get in terms of armor is all just for the class you're playing. Oh, a uh, small side note on that too. Engrams are character uh, bound, I guess you could say, when they drop. So it's not like you can get an engram and then put it in your bank and then open it with an alt and then be like, oh, this dropped for my hunter, but I'm going to put it on my titan and open it with my titan and then it's of armor, it will be titan armor. Uh, that doesn't happen because it's character locked. You can't actually move those to the vault. So again, uh, that's a good and bad thing, I guess. I, I mean, you know, it's not super important. Uh, you know, you can move the guns freely. But uh, again, it seems like a minor limitation that's both good and bad. Zones are pretty huge. I don't know, like, a comparison, but I would say they feel about four to six times as big as the previous game. However, there are really only four zones, because there's six total areas you can go to uh, in terms of not uh, strikes or the raid. But two of those are social spaces. So there's really only four sort of planets you can go to. Again, the areas feel really huge in comparison to the first game. The Titan location seems a little bit smaller. Uh, it's sort of like three floating rigs uh, on the ocean. It feels a little bit smaller than the other three zones because those are on uh, actual planets that have, you know, solid ground. And the Earth one seems like super, super detailed. There's nooks and crannies for you to go and explore little uh, passageways or lost sectors. And they're all over the place. So there's lots of really cool details kind of everywhere. And it looks really, really good on PC. Even on my older system, the settings are pretty high and it looks really, really good. If you go to my Facebook page, I've had uh, a number of really cool sort of areas that I've taken screenshots of. So you can check it out a little bit uh, on my Facebook page if you want to take some looks at what the zones look like. I'm sure you know other sites and other places have much more detailed shots. But I have some pretty cool looking shots if you want to check that out. My favorite thing to do probably is just, like I said, run around the zone, uh, do the different things, and then you'll run across, you know, cool areas. My favorite cool thing is the lost sectors. I originally thought uh, they meant lost as in we don't know where they are, but they actually mean lost as in these have been taken over uh, by the bad guys, and they're always there in a uh, pretty large number. But it's cool to just be running around, you're doing public events, or you're doing quests, or you're just doing patrols, and it's like, oh, where does this uh, crazy hidden path go? And it's like, oh, this is that lost sector. That's pretty cool. I like to do that stuff and just sort of run around and explore all the things. And again, these lost sectors aren't really small. These are pretty large areas. I would guess if you commit yourself to, like, I'm going to do this lost sector, and then you specifically go straight there and you do it, it's probably about 5 or 10 minutes to get there and look around and get through it. it. It's not, you know, a quick, just boom and you're done kind of thing. I mean, most of Destiny 2 kind of is, in that it's typically designed around, you know, a 15-minute commitment. But some things are a little bit more time-consuming. When you get into sort of the adventures slash missions, these are another one of my favorite things. These are big, long uh, story arcs that 
actually have voice work and they tell you about the story and they tell you about the lore. And I would guess on average they're probably about 15 minutes, but a bigger commitment, uh, one that's a little bit longer, a little bit harder to do, will take maybe 30 minutes. I think last night I got one that I pretty much rage quit. The first thing I've actually genuinely rage quit in the game. But that was partly my fault too. I didn't notice that the recommended light level was 275, and I'm like 274, so I'm really pushing that edge. For everything else, it's like you're almost, you know, 30% higher than the light level it recommends. So this is the first thing I've really, really pushed that edge on, and it was just really difficult. I don't know, the boss was like not taking barely any damage at all, and then the whole area keeps respawning with bad guys every now and then. It's like, I don't know, maybe I was missing something that was like a special trigger that would weaken the boss, or maybe I was missing something specific I would do. But it was like, if I'm just supposed to defeat all these little guys, and then beat down the main boss as much as I can after that, I don't know, I died and died and died and died. And after about an hour, I said, I I am done. Because it was just impossible. I don't know how you're supposed to get through it, unless, you know, like I said, the secret is just get higher light level and make it an easier fight for yourself. I don't know, you know, maybe my overall light level was more based on my armor than my weapons, and so they were underpowered. I don't know. Uh, but that is really cool. That is another one of my favorite things to follow the story quests. Because they are right, there is much more story to tell and a lot of these missions to go through after you've finished the sort of main story quest line. Which I don't know uh, exactly how long it would take, but I would guess it's around uh, 8 to 12 hours, which I think was what the first game took. Especially if you sort of skip over the voice work and the cutscenes, it'd be a lot quicker. Another thing I like is when you go to uh, each of the world zone areas, if you hold down, uh, for me it's period, because I, I think that's the button I bound to uh, sort of bring up the ghost UI for. On the right side of the screen, it will list three sort of goals, which I think reset every 24 hours. And those are challenges. Uh, the game will give you a number of challenges, and it will be various things you have to do. Uh, but these for the zone are specific to that one uh, planet slash zone. I like to go through those. Uh, I'll do like a couple of them uh, a day with my character. Sometimes I'll go through each of the planets, but... That takes, like, a really long time. But each one, I would say, is about 45 minutes to get through all three of them. And there'll be various things, like find a lost sector in this uh, section of the zone, or kill this many bad guys in this particular area, or do uh, three patrols is a common one, or, you know, kill a certain number of these specific, you know, higher bad guys. Different sort of uh, challenges, I guess, to sort of work towards while you're in that zone. I like doing those. Those are pretty cool. They're quite varied. I don't know if I've seen a duplicate set of three on any given day. And they're varied enough. I'm like, oh, cool. I like to do those things. I will do all those things. For those who played the first game, faction rewards seem different than the first game. In the first game, you'd build up this reputation, and the reputation would have ranks. Then you'd get to a certain cap, and then that would be kind of pointless to build up any other faction. This time it's sort of like there's this bar, and each time you fill up that bar, it just gives you a reward. Uh, usually 
uh, a purple engram. And so it's sort of like this never-ending cycle of fill their reputation bar, uh, you know, get a reward. Which I like. I like that quite a bit. So I don't know if the old sort of, you know, these people require this much faction to do uh, this or get this reward. It's like, here is your reward for this faction. Which I guess is good and bad, because, I mean, in some ways you can't get higher faction with a person, because I don't think those are changing. I think it's just X amount, and then it happens. I don't think it's like, you know, keeping track of invisible levels anywhere. Certainly doesn't say, you know, level X reputation. It's just a little icon that shows their uh, icon for that person. And then the bar fills, and then it's empty, and you fill it again. So that's pretty cool. I like that. Uh, fairly steady stream of rewards for doing all the things uh, from different people. You know, you can be doing uh, this set of rewards, and when you complete, uh, you know, challenges, you know, maybe one of the main uh, vanguards, I think they're called, will give you a reward in addition to uh, rewards for that zone. So lots of rewards all the time. Pretty cool, pretty fun. And because all of the areas are so much bigger than before, nothing really feels all that uh, repetitive. Like, that was the big thing with the first game was I got really bored because everything became really, really predictable all the time. I would say with Destiny 2, the public quests are becoming repeated quite a bit. So those are feeling kind of static. But in general, the areas, you know, they're big enough and they're varied enough. By the time you get to the bad guys, they've spread out and they're doing different things. And that's, you know, enough for a shooter to feel a little bit different. And now, I don't know how frequently this will happen, but there's a, a faction rally, I think is what they're calling it, which are the three different faction types, Dead Orbit, Future War Cult, and, oh, I can't remember the third one. <laughs> but now, uh, these uh, faction vendors are here, and... You know, it's a similar kind of thing. You do certain activities and you'll get tokens for them. So you're doing the things, you're getting tokens for this, and you're getting tokens for them, and then they will give you rewards as well. So all kinds of rewards from doing different things, which is part of why I haven't talked a lot about strikes, because strikes really don't seem that important to me. Uh, they said you can play Destiny 2 how you want, and I would agree that seems accurate. Uh, you can do lots of different things and get lots of different rewards from different people, uh, strikes included. Uh, but for me, since I'm not a big uh, grouper, mostly just solo player, I would prefer just to do stuff, you know, on planet, just do uh, patrols or adventures or, you know, public events and just get rewards like that instead of going to a strike. So I've seen maybe two different strikes, maybe three. I don't know how many there are total. Uh, they're fun. They're cool. Uh, they're certainly a lot more static, which is why I'm not as interested in them as just just general overland sort of stuff, you know, like I mentioned. Because all of that seems much more random, whereas the strike is like, here's this encounter, here's this encounter, here's this encounter. You know, once you've done a strike, it's like, oh, that was really cool. You do it a couple more times, and it's like, okay, well, now I know this is how this area works. This is how this area works. This is roughly how the bad guys are going to come at me. So to me, that's not terribly interesting. I mean, sure, the open world areas are 
somewhat predictable in that way, but like I said, they're big enough and varied enough. The bad guys are not always in the same position. Whereas in a strike, you know, you're pretty much sure, you know, blow a rocket in this area at this point and you'll hit most of the guys because that's where they are. That's what happens in a strike. And again, I haven't seen the raid because they don't have a matchmaking up for that. I don't know how interested I'd be in that because, like I said, if I can get similar rewards out in the regular adventure areas, I'll just do that. I know in the first game they had specific rewards, you know, like this uh, raid would give this kind of loot. I don't know if that's the case for Destiny 2. I expect it would be, uh, but so far I've seen plenty of loot and plenty of stuff to do and having a ton of fun uh, on my own out in the world without uh, the strikes or raids. But I, I expect eventually I'll do that. But that's really all my rambling. I guess, too, I could say something about the music. The music seems really awesome. I like it quite a bit. There aren't any sound uh, sliders, which I guess it was like that in the first game. It's like you can turn the music off, but there's no way to like make it quieter, uh, which is kind of disappointing. It's like, why do you guys lock that out? I don't understand. But it's great. You know, if I had extra money, I would consider getting the soundtrack. I got the soundtrack for the first one because that music was also really great. Uh, and this is equally as great. Seems quite varied. Each uh, sort of planet and, you know, social space seems to have its own set of uh, several different music tracks. So nothing really gets repetitive. But I guess that's really all my thoughts for Destiny 2 so far. Uh, if you liked the first one, I would say this is definitely worth it. I would say if you didn't like the first one, this probably isn't going to change your mind. It is a lot closer to what I expected Destiny 1 to be in terms of the amount of content and what's going on and the uh, variableness of the areas. But it's not hugely different. I mean, at its core, it's pretty much uh, the same kind of things. You're still going around. There's still public events. There's still uh, this mission. There's still patrols. The strikes are still like this. And it's all very similar sort of in feel. It's not like, oh, this is a totally different game. It's still the same game in its core, just bigger and better. Uh, but if you didn't like some of those aspects in the first game, you're probably not going to change your mind. You might want to wait for some kind of trial or, you know, test it out at your buddy's house for half a dozen hours, you know, before you commit to it. Because like I said, it's not hugely different in terms of would I recommend it to somebody who heavily disliked X about Destiny 1? It's like if you're like me and you were sort of disappointed at this or sort of felt this was lacking, you're probably going to be okay with it. But I wouldn't recommend it for somebody who didn't like the first one. Maybe I'll do more thoughts uh, on the next podcast. I don't know. Uh, kind of doing the same things uh, over and over. Having a ton of fun with it. So that's good. But I don't know how much new there would be to talk about. But I guess I'll probably not do that for, you know, three weeks. So who knows? Ahoy there, and welcome to the treasure chest. We gather to thank those who surrendered booty to the rabbit. I'm sure we can all agree we love a little booty now and then. Ha ha ha. The following be are the rapscallions that donated their booty. We do be thinking, Sean R., for the most generous 
and continual donations. Three cheers for donations. Hip hip, arr, hip hip, arr, hip hip, arr. So I guess that's it for this week's podcast. There's no news. I got some uh, bigger costs coming up. It's like a hundred bucks due for my web stuff uh, in mid-December. So hopefully I can get some Thanksgiving money from my dad for that. But I don't know. That's that's a pretty huge uh, commitment. And then of course, as always, uh, in December, my next car insurance payment will come up. So that's another forty bucks for that. And then if I'm going to do school uh, in, you know, January when that happens, that's another 50 bucks, which, you know, again, I kind of need to keep doing that as much as I can to keep uh, financial aid off my back. Otherwise, I owe, you know, hundreds and almost, you know, up to a thousand a month in you know, student loan payments, which there's like no way I could pay that off. And then, of course, you know, there's all the little things like the car uh, needs an oil change. It's overdue for that. And then there's gas. and So a lot of uh, bills getting me down quite a bit lately. So I do keep hoping uh, donations and help will come. Though it seems uh, very, very rare these days. Oh, and then there's the issue with my plug and my power on my laptop. That's uh, becoming more of a thing. I think yesterday it dropped uh, half a dozen times. Not, you know, completely. Just just for like one second, and then it takes like two or three seconds to recover. But, you know, it's just low frame rate right now. But if that gets much worse, uh, that's going to make gaming very difficult and just general operation of the laptop uh, bad. So that's uh, 45-ish, I think, for a new plug for that too. So a lot of uh, very sad things getting me very worried uh, about the future. So emotionally. Uh, pretty sad, but I'm trying to uh, stay distracted with my game and have fun uh, as much as I can, and my shows. Uh, a lot of the shows have started up again, so things are in season uh, for shows. But I don't know what to talk about uh, for next time, so I expect, uh, you know, again, three weeks, whatever that is, I guess, sounds like early-ish December. Maybe mid-December, I don't know. No, early-ish. But um, that's it for this time, and hopefully I'll see everybody next time. Okay, thanks, bye. You have been listening to Rabbit's Ramblings. If you would like to see the show notes or feed the bunny by sending a donation, 
you can find the show website at www.rabbit.com slash podcast slash rabbits ramblings dot html. When you type rabbits ramblings, don't use the space. If you would like to send me an email, you can do so at rabbit at rabbit.com. If you like my page, you can also post on Facebook at rabbit.com. You can follow me on YouTube at rabbitdot.com. I have a page on Patreon at www.patreon.com slash rabbit, R-A-B-B number one T. You can set up a monthly recurring subscription there at a price point of your choice. Be sure to put the number one in place of I anytime you type rabbit. Rabbit's Ramblings is copyright Eric Stryker using a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Derivatives License 2017.